Hello and welcome to Wibbly Wobbly Chatty Watty, the ultimate Doctor Who rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Dean, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Dean. How are you today? I'm I'm great. I've it, We're recording this a little later than we usually do. I've got more energy than I usually do, and I'm less concentrated than I usually am. And when I say usually, we've done this once. Yeah, so this bodes really well that... I think both of us already have a lack of concentration, starting only our second one of this podcast series. But I'm excited to delve into the episode we've got I'm, lined I'm, up today. I mean, I'm not because it's not a very good episode. But when we talk about this episode, we are, of course, talking about season one, episode two of Doctor Who. Obviously, I feel like I should um, clarify that. And it's the end of the world. Um, Is it? Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, that's completely unrelated. I keep going to call it end of the effing world because that's a very good channel Four TV show. Something I would much rather talk about right now because it, it's good. Um, right out the gates of my opinions. Yeah, you're being very bold today, but I think it's good that we're, we've got an episode that perhaps neither of us are very keen on because then we can just criticize it yeah. and be really rude. So it's great. That's good. I like <laughs> being rude. Okay. Every week, Andrew and I like to start off. I keep saying every week. We've done this once. Um, Andrew and I like to start our episodes with trying to summarise the plot of this episode in one sentence. A sentence summary, so to speak. Believe it or not, it is that simple of a thing. Have you got a sentence summary ready to share? I have. I've got one that I made earlier. Oh, My nice. sentence summary is... Yes. The Earth's dying, but it's all about the money, 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 as a wealth-seeking slab of skin stages a hostage situation in hope of receiving hefty compensation. That's very informative. It's very um, informative. That's my one word. That is my <laughs> word you. summary of your sentence summary. Okay. I, as we have made abundantly clear, I don't like... Um, this episode so I've decided to write my sentence summary about something I find more interesting um, okay you ready Britney Spears Toxic is a song recorded by American singer Britney Spears for her fourth studio album In The Zone 2003 that is crazy I saw that coming I feel like <laughs> Britney Spears that? is the focus of this episode Let, let's, let's be real scary. I'm I, I know you too well quite clearly <laughs> no I liked it it was it was very informative but I feel like you somehow missed the mark on maybe what our podcast is truly about but you know shake things up a bit it's 2020 2020 that is the year well done unless what you're a listening rubbish in the future. Year. I'm already off the trail this is not uh, episode two I'm cancelling the show okay that's the end of the conversation <laughs> lovely shall we go on to general information before y yes. your brain implodes yes yeah, so some general information about this lovely episode of Doctor Who. So it was written by Russell T. Davis and it was directed by, do you want to try and say this name, Andrea? Euros Lynn. Oh, I think it's nice. a fantastic name. It is a really good name. Not to be like rude, but it is a woman, isn't aren't they? It sounds like a woman's no. name. No. No, do you think it's a man? Oh no. Oh no, I've made a grave <laughs> mistake. I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> this is not good. Um, Euros Lynn is a man. Whoops. I, he um, looks male. Yeah. Sorry, Euros. So, uh, Euros isn't listening. We can say whatever we want about him. It was released. But it might so happen that our only follower 
happens to be his next door neighbor or something you never know yeah, dean i never know i do never know um it's sorry it was broadcast on the 2nd of april 2005 do you know what you were doing on the 2nd of april 2005 probably probably sat on the floor probably <laughs> drinking from a baby beaker cup <laughs> no, not much to be honest it hasn't no. stuck in my head as a memorable day uh, what about you well, I, I don't really know what I was doing, but do you know what um, Pope John Paul II was doing? Poping? He was dying. He died. Oh! Heart failure at aged 84. You're such a, such a happy bunny, aren't you? You just keep bringing up all these... Jim Callahan last week who died. It's just all, all these all these deaths. It's, it's really, really... Um, I mean, nice he died... Stuff. 15 years ago, I think we're over it. And he was the Pope, which is a big deal, I think. Yeah, for Controversially, for being the Pope is a big deal. Hot take right now. Shall I, shall I um, quickly and swiftly move ourselves yes, on please, from the theme talking. of Popes and start with some fun facts I found out about this episode? Ooh, fun. I'll decide whether they're fun. Fact number one, please. This episode has quite a lot of um, special effects used. And actually, the... The vast amount of effects that we used meant that this episode ate up most of the series' uh, budget, which I find quite amusing because, let's let's be honest, it hasn't aged particularly well because of the, F, uh, the SFX. Could we maybe have had some more interesting uh, effects for the Daleks um, towards the end of the series? Yes. Putting that out there. Um, um, also, that fact is fun. Thank you. I'm not sure I completely agree. Maybe it's the way I was delivering it. Maybe I should be a bit okay. more okay. flamboyant. Okay, in this next fact, um, each sentence has to vary emotion. Okay, go ahead. Oh, wow, that, that's hard. Put me on the spot a bit. So, a crew member likened um, manoeuvring Cassandra around... Sadness. Like it was... <laughs> Like pushing a, a faulty shopping truck. I went for happy as I sounded like a dying, I don't know, that Jim from Friday voice. Night that Dinner. That was just an, a, a, an English mother's voice. You sounded like <laughs> someone's mum. And oh, never dear. once have I heard of the emotion mum. And never <laughs> once when you're happy, have you gone, oh, Dean, you'll never guess what happened to me today. Oh, dear. I, I, I want to apologise now for our um, two listeners. I'm very You're sorry. You're Lynn's neighbour and someone mysterious we have yet to identify. Let's yeah. hope it's not the Pope's son. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. I think that, that is unlikely. Hey, um, I'm just going to go from the top with crossed. my second fun fact. So, a crew member likened ma- manoeuvring Cassandra around to pushing a faulty shopping trolley. And it was very hard for the crew to use. And it was also... Um, the animation of Cassandra was actually really complex, which meant that um, because it was so hard to do, they actually cut quite a few of her lines out. And that, that meant that the episode underran. And as a result, Russell T. Davis wrote the scene with Raffalo and Rose, which I think is a really good scene, which we'll get on to later. And he wrote that um, so that the episode was complete time-wise. Okay, and do you know my... Sorry, can I just say something about that fun fact? Before oh, I feel like you're going to anyway, so, so go ahead. On. So, last week, I think we agreed that our favourite scene 
was the long shot of them walking to the TARDIS and the Doctor being like, I feel the Earth spin. Did we... Uh, at least that was my yeah. favourite scene. Yeah. I don't want to speak Yeah, mine too. And my favourite scene in this episode was the one with the plumber. Um, hey, that's crazy. Mine too. Yeah, so that means the two scenes in the last episodes which are our favourite were written at the last yes. minute by Russell T. Davis. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe we should just put him under pressure all the time and then all the episodes would have turned out way better. I think maybe that's why Series 4 is so consistently excellent in terms of his writing because maybe he wrote it all in one night, like the night before filming. Yeah. He's, he, he'd got complacent by the fourth season. He was like, oh no, got to stay up all night. And that's why he lost the job after the fourth season. Yeah, he's actually fired for um, his timekeeping. Um, but anyway, Mike, do you think that was a fun fact? Does it pass? I think it's fun, but mostly because of the element I brought to the fact. So you're welcome. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so my final uh, fun fact is that Possibly. this is actually the first appearance of the psychic paper, which is obviously an element of Doctor Who used quite frequently through the revival era, consequently. So what a great what a great invention that is. Do you, do you want to say a few thoughts about psychic paper? Because just how cool is it? And so convenient cool. for script and writers. Convenient and just, it's, a, it's obviously like the sonic screwdriver, just a plot device, just to be like, ah, oh, um, why is the doctor here? Ah, oh, he can do what he wants. But my thought I had when watching this episode was what, when else do they call it slightly? psychic paper because that's what they referred to it as throughout this episode is that a name that yeah. sticks or is or does it or does it just maybe the doctor gets an upgrade and gets psychic paper <laughs> instead yeah. of slightly psychic paper that's such a good point i'm pretty sure the slightly is dropped because it doesn't have as you know as good an effect although that said that you know psychic paper proves not to always be Psychic. Not always be <laughs> psychic um, when, say, people are trained to to tell that it's psychic. So it probably is slightly psychic, but as a name, it's pretty naff, let's be honest. You can't just go, oh, slightly sonic screwdriver because it doesn't do wood. Okay, um, every week, Andrew and I will present some trivia to each other in an interesting way in the form of a quiz. And this week, Andrea has written the quiz and I broke into her house earlier on and read all the answers. I'm going to be great at <gasps> So that was you. I'll tell the police to go away. Um, so, question one. Are you ready, Dean? I'm Dean. Okay. I'm ready. So, Cassandra, played by actress Zoe Wanamaker, stresses how she is the last pure human, having been born to two humans on Earth. But where was Wanamaker born? A. England B. America C. Wales D. Canada Or, or E, there's an E hmm. Australia Oh, I knew the E was going to be Australia and I don't know how so I'm <laughs> trying to imagine her voice Obviously she is I think she is quite American in the show mm-hmm. um, Let me think about this Cause, And oh Oh no, that's just her, her character's last name is O'Brien, isn't it? But obviously, yes. that might not reflect the actress, which is interesting, is it not? Um, 
I'm now thinking about when you see her. I'm gonna have to press you for an answer. Oh no, I'm just thinking about when you see her appear in New Earth as the actual actress. Yeah. I'm gonna say American. And you would be right. So we want to make born in New York City. New York City. That's a that's a city I've heard of before. Next question. Or shall question. I say in New New York City? Or New 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 York. I don't know if that was enough news. Anyway, question two. Which book in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series is this episode partly based upon? A. Life, the Universe and Everything. B. Mostly Harmless. C. So Long and Thanks for the Fish. What a great book title. Yeah. D. The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. Or E. There's another E. <gasps> the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Um, I thought it was A when I first heard A. That's because I hadn't heard any options. <laughs> The restaurant at the end of the universe sounds correct to me because it, it I kind of get where the idea of a restaurant at the end of the was it galaxy or universe? It was it was at the end of the universe, yeah. I get where the idea of a restaurant at the end of the universe connects to this episode because that's kind of what it's like. It's like a party at the end of the universe or at the end of the earth. What's the bloody difference to us? when all we know is here on Earth. So our solar system exploding would have the same impact as the entire universe exploding. Um, I don't know where wow, that came so from. Wow, so deep. I don't know where that came from. I'm gonna, have I'm you gonna, got an answer? I'm going to go for the restaurant thing. <laughs> and McDonald's. you would be again correct. Thank you. It was written by Douglas Adams in 1982. So about a year after you were born. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Okay, question three. You're doing well so far. I know, it's because I broke into your house. Bad Wolf, which is, as you know, at the centre of this series' story arc, is mentioned for the first time in this episode. Which character mentions it? A. The Mox of Balhoon. B. Cassandra. C. Jabe. D. The Steward. Or E. Raffalo. See, I remember the moment, but I don't, not 100% sure who says it. They go, it's the bad wolf scenario, blah, 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 when the tremors start on the <laughs> ship. Um, so I'm going to say the Mox, you know, the bloody Balhoon guy. Yes, you would again be right. Broken and and you're right, that is the line, and he's speaking to the face of Bo when when he says that, which considering who the face of Bo turns out to be, spoiler for anyone who doesn't know, it's Captain Jack Harkness, who we later um, meet in this series. It's quite interesting because obviously he's there and brought back to life by Bad Wolf herself. So how fun. Um, fun <laughs> question stuff. four. You know, you're doing really well. I think you could get top marks today. Is, there, is this the last question? No, it's the second to last question. Oh. So question four. Four. Both Cassandra and the face of Bo return in series two's New Earth. Correct. Which episode do you think rates the highest on IMDb at the time of recording, obviously? So A, the end of the world, or B, New Earth? 
Mm, see, I immediately want to say a new earth because I feel like in my oh, but I don't really like a new earth as an episode. Amazingly, either to be honest, what's your opinion on it? Uh, it's actually uh, one of my personal favourites. Is it? I want to say a new earth. But I feel like that's the. Mm, that's what you want me. You wouldn't ask this question if it was like <laughs> the end of the world is a five and a new earth is eight. So I'm gonna go. Oh, but I don't want to be wrong and ruin my streak. Yep. yep okay, I'm gonna go. Um, the end of the world is higher. You read right through me. Yes, it is the end of the world. It rates at the time of recording seven point six, whilst new earth. 7.4 so it's not there's not much in it but i still think that's completely the wrong way around i mean not only is it completely the wrong way around but i don't think there's 0.2 of a difference between these episodes in quality would you say there's more or less more good because otherwise we're having a falling out um so my last question of the day for full marks, full marks. would you like to hear it can I just say, last week, you got to all questions right apart from the last one. And then I said mm. you failed the test. And now I'm regretting saying that. <laughs> you shouldn't have reminded me of that. I have a terrible memory. Okay, so in this episode, the TARDIS's ability to translate is established for the new generation of Who viewers. Correct. True. The answer's true. I haven't quite finished yet. Okay. This concept was previously re- referenced in the mask of Mandragora. Which Doctor appears in this episode? A. The First Doctor B. The Second Doctor C. The Third Doctor I think you can see where I'm going with this D. The Fourth Doctor or E. The Fifth Doctor I thought you were about to pull a prank on me with that last one and go like The Tenth Doctor because that would have been funny um, I'm, I've, I'm leaning towards two or three. I'm not sure why. I just feel like whenever something is established in Doctor Who, it's normally the second or the third Doctor that establishes it, which might sound like a bit like a dumb comment. But um, mm, yes. Um, what's your answer, Andrea? Good try. <laughs> Can I press you for your answer? Second. I'm afraid it was the fourth Doctor. It was an episode which features Sarah Jane asking why aliens speak English, um, and it was um, broadcast in 1976. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I was going to say the second from last option. Good, good try. You, you failed the test, I'm afraid, just as I did last week, right at the last hurdle. But on that very depressing note, would you like to gallop with me over to our next section, where we discuss plot and setting? Yes, let's bloody go. So, after my embarrassing attempt last week of explaining <laughs> the plot, um, I made sure that Andrew wrote it this week. So, would you like to share your summary of the plot? Um, see, I think you, you, you dreamt oh, no. that, because I don't recall writing any sort of plot summary. I'm afraid. So I thought, since since it was such a triumph last week, our one listener, I'm, I'm assuming that the Pope's son has has left us by this point in the podcast, our one listener wrote in to me and said, you know, God, what an amazing section. So um, I was wondering if you'd like to do that again and give us your little summary of this episode, 
you're looking very happy right now. <laughs> okay, um, let me summarise the plot of this episode for you because Andrea is a bad friend. That's why I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the doc, the Rose, gets onto the TARDIS and is all like, "Hey, Doctor." Um, where are we going? And that's like 100 years in the future, 1,000 years in the future, more years into the future, the end of the world. And they get to the end of the world. <laughs> I lost it 30 seconds in. Okay, they get to the end of the world. And um, yeah, and they hang out there for a bit. And they're like, the doctor's like, we're here to watch the Earth explode. But nobody's on there. And um, it's all the rich people are here to watch. And there's tree lady blue guy the meme boys skin lady jack harkness um who else is there who am, who am i missing andrea those the weird munchkins? guys in the gas mask um, oh yeah the um bloom paloompas i just came up with that <laughs> joke on the spot um and of course the administrator and they're all looking around and they're giving each other lift gifts not lifts <laughs> and the the meme the the reoccurrence of the continue what they called the reoccurrence of the continuous meme yeah yeah um giving little um metal orbs and they're like thanks bro and they go walking around with all their orbs but the orbs open up there's a little metal spider inside and they crawl around <laughs> it's the body language here that's making me laugh um, it's making me terrified <laughs> listeners you're spared of this this pain <laughs> they Do continue around and they get into the ship and they hack the ship and they kill plumber lady who's talking to rose and the doctor's like hey tree lady want to go look around and maybe sleep together and the tree is like hey i'm a tree <laughs> whoa i think that was the subcontent <laughs> but we can go around and look together and meanwhile Rose walks up to Skin Lady, a.k.a. Cassandra, a.k.a. whatever the woman, the actress is called, who was born in America. I've already forgotten her name. Um, she's so we want to make her. Thanks. And, and, and Rose is like, hey, Michael Jackson, what happened to all the other humans? And they talk for a bit. And then Rose is like, shut up, you trampoline. And, and then Skin Lady goes, hey, you'll see. I'm the villain of this episode. Not a lot happens in this episode. I'm just going to say that. And then the administrator dies because they lower the sun shield, protecting them from the sun. And um, Rose nearly dies and the doctor cottons on and he's like, hey, Cassandra, I know your evil plan. And Cassandra's all like, oh, yes, I created the reoccurrence of the continuous meme. I feel like that isn't his, their name. Um, and got their orbs all around the ship so I could um, make up a hostage situation. And get hostages um money that's not a thing and she's like okay i'm going to teleport away now bye bye and she teleports away and the doctor's like no we're all gonna die and uh tree lady burns to death it's pretty gruesome and <laughs> the doctor turns off the ship to the tune of britney spears toxic and then cassandra gets teleported back and because she's not being moisturized she explodes and then they go to the past, the present day, I suppose, and they eat some chips. The end. That that is that is a good summary. Although I have to um, correct you now that I've just 
rediscovered that it's actually that the adherence of the repeated meme the so really you, you've shown us both up there so so thanks a lot dean but <laughs> no, so, so thank you for your section what what do you think of this story and what do you think of the setting i feel like my problem with this whole episode is the treatment of the setting um we're obviously going to talk about this more later mm -hmm. but it's too star warsy for me and it's too as Rose puts it later on, it's too alien f for Doctor Who, I think, where a lot of the time it doesn't, it, it's very close to the real world, but this is just very out there and weird and crazy stuff happening all the time. There's a blue guy sitting in a chair. What the hell's going on? Stuff like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. Um, I think what you picked up upon, the sort of Star Wars setting, you can imagine um, these people, these characters coming straight from the stereotypical Star Wars canteen. And whereas for, for films like Star Wars, that's fine. It fits the mood and, and, and the setting. I think for Doctor Who, this is quite out there. You normally come across one or two different species in an episode. It's normally to do with an invasion and stuff. And it's not even necessarily the, the characters themselves. It's the fact the the music accompanying them um, sort of plays into their their weirdness. Yes. So when the the munchkins, as I call them, the blue little people who seem to be, yeah, the blue plumpers, who seem to be uh, part of the staff along with the steward and Raffalo, um, when they're walking around and moving the TARDIS, there's all sort of um, childish, upbeat music. Um, that sort of suits their characters, but it sort of makes my skin crawl. It just doesn't seem <laughs> Um Maybe I just have an issue with Munchkins, which I, for anyone who, who knows me will be surprising since you probably consider me one myself. Um, but it's just all a bit too extravagant and exaggerated. And uh, I think sometimes the subtlety of of the aliens it's a weird thing to say for doctor who really when it when it is you know the longest running sci-fi program and and so uh, alien based but it just it doesn't fit in with anything surrounding it i know for some people sci-fi fans it might be fine but for me it just doesn't hit the spot i think a lot of the interesting stuff is doc with doctor who is just normal people like meeting the doctor's world like going into the tardis or like the human race reacting when um when the aliens invade or whatever and in this there's literally no reference point point apart from rose and honestly rose is just such a weak character in this episode that this reference point doesn't work because she spends the entire time sitting in a room moping to herself i think yeah i i mean we'll, we'll get on to rose i think a little later in more depth but I think that the fact that she is so startled by the world around her deters you from liking it as well, to an extent. I don't know if you agree with me there, but it's also just the way the Doctor acts like it's so normal and uh, brilliant. And Rose is so opposed to it and he can't um, show her the wonders of it. It's not like a whole, a whole new world, if you like. It's not, we're not excited by it. Wow, um, <laughs> but you sort of feel that it's it's just it, it's just it it doesn't fit. It feels if I had to describe it, almost jolty, like 
like a, a triangular cog in a circular machine uh, and the machine is Doctor Who. That's, that's the way I'd describe it. And I, it pains me to say this because I love Russell T Davis and his writing and I obviously love the show loads. But this one just doesn't do it for me. It's, it's one of the few of what I consider to be the golden era of Doctor Who from say series one to series six. It's one of the few that I don't enjoy watching as much. Um, but on that note, would you like to go on to the standout points? And I suppose for this episode, it might not necessarily be full of positive yeah. um, moments, but, but let's, you know, we've got to yeah. do our job. So yeah. shall, shall we go? Let's, let's go. So, Dean, have you got any particular standout points that have called to you? Um, so to speak from this episode well actually I probably should have warned you about this in advance but I had this idea um, while doing something completely different today and before we go on to our mostly negative stand-up moments I thought we can both just talk about what we like about this episode and be a bit positive for a bit how does that sound that, that um, sounds lovely I'd love to be positive for a yeah. bit so I think the first <laughs> obvious scene that we can both talk about is the scene with Rose and um, Plumber Lady where this works, <laughs> Raffalo. This works because Raffalo is the most human character, um, apart from the Rose and the Doctor that is here, and it's actually a normal conversation. And she seems like an average person who's been painted blue instead of the mocks of Balhoon. Um, what do you think of the plumber scene? No, you've you've really uh, directly um, touched upon the reason at least for me why this scene is so important to the episode because i feel like it's the moment where you see the the barriers of division uh through uh different backgrounds through different experience and different species be, being broken down by the similarities of two youngish girls and they just have and, and obviously they're of a different social class in a way because obviously rose on Earth is of, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, well, a, a normal <laughs> working class family, I presume. Uh, and and Raffalo assumes that Rose as a guest is a wealthy alien, um, whilst she's a mere plumber who needs permission to speak. Um, but even that doesn't matter, that division doesn't matter, because you see the goodness in Rose's heart and how she doesn't care about those things and, and wouldn't act above others, perhaps because of her background. And, and in return, you see um, the tenderness of an alien who, as you, as you very well put, does not seem like an alien because they're able to speak so normally. And I think it's the first time that Rose maybe realises, having been quite panicked by, uh, you know, this bizarre situation she's in, she suddenly realises that maybe it's not so different from home. And... It, it just stands out to me because it also, you know, right after this scene, after this conversation, rather, Raffalo is <laughs> very quickly killed off. And so you, you, it's classic Doctor Who. I was saying to my sister the other day, you know, if you if you watch Doctor Who and you come across a character who you like, and who is friendly and sweet, they're going to die. Um, they're made and that, friendly and sweet to be killed later on. Exactly. So um, it's quite an easy spot to stiff, really. In this instance, because you're you're so easily convinced to like Raffalo, 
and she so quickly dies and so it's very <laughs> there's a lot of impact because because of the way Raffalo feels like she shouldn't speak to Rose because of her her class and her position in comparison to the guests on on platform one you sort of don't like the aliens that are wealthy um which i think i think this actually if i had to be all english literature-esque and and talk about themes i say that social class is quite a big theme in this themes. um and i think chris Eccleston, who's an actor who often talks about the you know struggles of uh working class people and is very supportive of that having come from a humble background himself for, for his doctor to say oh you know the the greatest people are here and he says well the richest people and he's quite cynical about it i think it's a very strong message for doctor who you know coming from being quite a <laughs> you know a posh show with posh act, posh accented actors on the bbc it is it's it's saying a lot and i i I, th I, I think it's we um, applaud you for that encouraging Russell. to see that yeah I've got a positive can I share a positive number one I've got a few I really like the design of Jabe or as I like to call her tree lady um, It. I think it's very clever because she does look very human and it works because you can't have a character who is like as integral to the plot as her and is moving around and having a, and is being as dynamic you can't have them look like of course, I'm going to bring him up, the mocks of Balhoun, because that just wouldn't work. Imagine if instead of Jabe walking around, it's the mocks of Balhoun going around with the Doctor. I feel like that would make a... Yeah. Um, I think that would be a better episode, because I would want to watch it more, I think. Would, would um, you really? Um, so I do like Jabe's design, because she does look wood, and even there's a close-up, I think it was of her hand, and I looked at it, and mm. I was like, she actually looks wooden like her hand yeah. and I thought that's really cool um Great which is makeup. good because the practical effects in this are better than a lot of the um cgi um i'm gonna go full andrea and be morbid here and say, <laughs> i really like the moment where the doctor just lets cassandra die mm. and rose is like are you gonna help I, I enjoyed that entire scene from from this point to the end of the episode. I like all of it where where Rose goes, aren't you going to save her? And the doctor just goes, what does he say? Like some people don't deserve second chances. Um, everybody dies and everything yes, has its time it. or something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think it works really well because it's just very dark for what I think you would expect because that is, I don't think that is something matt smith would do i brought this up last week as well the differences between these two are astronomical but mm. um i really that isn't something matt smith maybe matt, that isn't something i can see matt smith doing um but it works it's not like you watch the scene and you're like wow christopher eccleston is such a horrible person as the doctor <laughs> you don't you don't think that you're you're kind of you're like that's mean but i love it you're with him when he does it do you know what i mean or is that I, I, yeah, I do. Uh, it, it's a weird thing because obviously he's meant to be the hero and he's very easily letting someone die. But I think too often you see the doctor um, unrealistically be forgiving um, yeah. of people who, in my opinion, don't deserve it. Um, I'd also say about that point that, and, and throughout this episode, there are quite a few moments where we learn more about this incarnation of the doctor. Yeah. Um, I'd point out the moment where Jabe says she's sorry um, 
about what happened to the Time Lords. We're, we're, we're not given much more information, but she puts his, her hand on him and he puts his hand on hers. And you see a tear roll, roll down his cheek. And, and I don't think we ever see Eccleston cry again. No, uh, no, no, so no. it's actually quite an emotive scene and it's quite out of the blue as well. And I think that's why Jabe's death, I think, is done quite well as, as well, because you do care. And it's I've sad for the Doctor because death. she's maybe the only one who has expressed her uh, condolences to, for this, you know, this tremendous astronomical grief and pain that the Doctor has experienced that we know very little about at this point in the show. And I also say that the slow motion uh, moment where the Doctor's trying to get to the switch and um, is trying to judge when to jump between the, the, the air conditioning blades, the moment where to cross the last one to, to go through the last blade, um, it goes into slow motion and we hear M Murray Gold's uh, chilling mm -hmm. uh, Doctor's mm -hmm. theme. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm guessing it was an attempt at the Doctor's theme. But, wow. but thank you for that anyway. That hurts. <laughs> Sorry. But that, that moment, and it just goes so still when you see the close-up of his eyes. It's almost like you're searching, you're, you're seeing inside this character. And you, you suddenly understand that his pain without even knowing why he's in pain. And so I, I think you sort of understand that this man is almost godly and, and it sets that sort of elevated position in the universe for, for the Doctor up. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you have those two moments and, and you have, have the moment uh, at the end, which actually is probably my second favourite scene where, where the Doctor says uh, to Rose, what he tells her what happened, um, how his planet's gone. And, and, and that moment where he says, there's no one left and she said there's there's me and even despite the fact that she's had a terrible day quite evidently she she sees you know the pain in his eyes and decides that she wants to um basically look after this man and maybe even seeing you know the cruelty and the the anger that's filled him after the time war especially when he lets cassandra die because i think that's you know evidence of the mercilessness that has become installed within him because of his own pain uh, even then you know, Rose decides to maybe try and make him better, which we know she ultimately does. Yeah, so I this was going to be my next favorite moment, the end scene, where the Doctor tells Rose that everyone died. And he, it's such a delicate scene where, because of it's subtle and it's underplayed throughout the last two episodes. Um, and I like the idea of people not knowing what happened because we just go oh we just obviously go assume oh yeah it's the time war but imagine if you're sitting there and let's say you've been a doctor who fan for ages and every mm. other episode yeah. is set on gallifrey or whatever and then they go oh they're all dead all the time lords are dead and it's a bit of a uh-oh moment and it i think it is really good i do really um like it and i have a thought here because i also like how in the end is kind of Obviously, it's not open-ended because you know Rose is going to stay. He goes, um, the Doctor goes, do you want to come with me? And Rose goes, I don't know. Do you want to go and get some chips? And that's how the episode ends. She doesn't actually, and I haven't noticed this until I watched it this time. I've seen this episode enough, like, enough times and I've never noticed it. 
until now she never says yes she just goes yeah do you want to she says i don't know do you want to go get some chips and i feel like she's a lot of the reason she stays is because of what the doctor just told her and i feel like she wouldn't Mm. be able to leave the doctor after after him telling her that he's all alone which out in he wasn't guilt tripping her into staying it was a nice thing but yeah yeah i i would uh, completely concur what you said and also the fact that i think maybe if he hadn't said anything to to her the the rage that he shows you know he's quite hard when she's upset about not knowing who he is and he's very defensive and doesn't want to say you know she wouldn't understand why if he hadn't you know explained at the end of the episode and and why he would be so willingly allow Cassandra to die those things without the explanation of you know trauma as a result of losing your planet and all your people yeah they seem cruel and irrational well not irrational but um you know, he would seem like quite an enigmatic, dangerous and ruthless force. You touched on it. I like, I don't really like their argument in the middle of the episode just because it, they spend, it's just, it's not the argument itself, it's just the concept of it, that they've spent none of the episode together. And then the one scene they have together for about like that entire stretch is them arguing about not a lot, but I, I like the moment where, Rose goes, I don't even know you who are. And the doctor goes, This is me. I am who I am right now. And starts shouting about it. I I do like that, especially when you find out who he is at the end. I think it works really well. Yeah, because it's almost him saying, you know, almost indirectly admitting to the fact that he doesn't want to be the person who he was back then, who later in the 50th anniversary, when I was actually an entirely different person, who he blocks from his mind and decides isn't the doctor at all. So that that pain there um, has manifested itself into some sort of form of denial. And he's trying to be, I, I think the thing about Eccleston is he's quite a um, to the point doctor. There's no fussing around his, as we touched upon uh, last week, talking about Rose, his costume, very, yeah, his mannerisms, everything about it, very simple and, and, and to the point. And so, it's almost like he's just focusing on what's in front of him, the jobs that he's got to do, the, the worlds that he's got to save. None of the domestics, as he puts it, he doesn't get involved with domestics, none of the emotions, because he got involved emotionally in the past. He had to make a terrible decision to allow his people to perish and let the universe survive. Um, and he doesn't want to be dealing with emotions anymore. And he just wants to be this person who can save planet after planet and not have to think about much else. So I, I really, I love that bit of dialogue. And I actually, I think I prefer that scene. I think I like it more than you do. Uh, I, I just quite like <laughs> the sudden realisation. It's not a competition, Andrea, calm down. <laughs> I just quite like the, the moment when Rose realises that she has no idea who this man is. Because she literally, she said, no, I'm going to stay with my boyfriend and my mum. And then he comes back and says, like, in trouble and time. She's like, hell yeah, she runs in there and, and she's off. And as we see at the beginning of this episode, the episode starts exactly where Rose um, finishes off. So she runs into the TARDIS and he's like, where do you want to go? So she hasn't had much time to process it. It's been a whirlwind adventure. Uh, and so I think it's 
right that she should suddenly question who this man is and also be angry that he doesn't want to tell her who he is when she asks and so i quite like that scene and also also quite like the toxic montage we've already spoken a bit about (laughs) britney spears who is the real hero of the story let's be honest but (laughs) that moment when rose is on on the floor and the camera spins uh, and you hear toxic and i just love the old earth inaccuracies that that Cassandra talks about about ostriches you know breathing fire and the fact that a jukebox is an iPod uh, and just crazy things like that that will probably be remembered incorrectly like all our references are set within like 30 years before Rose is from <laughs> so yeah. it's not ever mentioned like oh don't you really love that song by um one direction and then rose goes who's one direction that would have made sense it also would have been really weird it would have been incredibly weird if doctor who had been able to predict um <laughs> the creation and success of one direction um but I, I i like that montage i like a good montage and just you know i think music is important yeah and i do really enjoy tainted love earlier on because also i really like the song but and mostly just seeing eccleston bop to it that made me happy. Do, 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 do. Anyway, should we move on to being a bit mean? Yeah, let's let's be a bit mean. Hey, it's mean time with Dean. Mean thing number one. Hey, mocks of Balhoon, shut up. Um, mean thing number two. Um, Rose, get over yourself. Stop being locked in a room for so much of the episode. Go spend some time with the Doctor. You can't introduce this companion and then immediately just like not have her spend any time with the Doctor in their first episode together. Like they still, as it's mentioned, they still don't know each other, but they spend the entire episode separate. Mean thing number th- No, I'm going to stop. You can say some <laughs> things about what I've just said. Well, I-, I think you've actually kind of summarized it quite well. And I don't want to walk into my improvement section territory too much but i i I would just say that this episode in places it seems to lose direction one it just needs one direction (laughs) yeah um we know what we're talking about but one moment we're focusing on the relationship between rose and the doctor one minute you know there is no relationship between rose and the doctor uh, the next minute we're meant to be focusing on Jabe and becoming emotionally invested in her. Then we've got to think about social classes and, you know, the, the um, You've got to think of the about human them. race. <laughs> Russell <laughs> is, is, walks onto the screen and goes, now, think about social classes or I'll show up at your house tonight. <laughs> and then you've got to think about all these aliens. Our focus is having to be um shifted uh, you know transferred each scene almost and, and so the actual storyline which is the fact that earth's exploding but there's also a hostage situation attempt it sort of gets lost you speaking has given me an idea for my own improvement um <laughs> for this episode i feel like so much time of this episode is devoted to the doctor's past and about the time war and all that stuff which mm. we, which we have like said we do enjoy those moments but i think they would have worked a lot better in a third episode or a fourth episode where we already know the doctor better and there's more build-up there's more build-up to whatever's happened like there's more build-up to whatever's wrong with him in each episode there's like little clues like there was in rose 
and we get more time with these two companions together so when the doctor reveals his secret it feels a lot heavier because at this point they're already such good friends but it's too late this episode's been written and talking about it it's really just an exercise in futility because nothing's going to change no one's going to listen to this and life is pointless okay i have another complaint um can i just say i want that to be our slogan for the podcast from now on put it on anchor <laughs> fm just um, an exercise of futility yes that can, instead of being the ultimate doctor who rewatch podcast we can be an exercise in futility um yeah. you're going to disagree with me here I, I didn't care about Jabe's death. And I feel like we'd got... Oh, Andrew just pulled a face. If only everyone at home could have seen <laughs> the the judging look she just gave me. That was scathing. Um, because I feel like, number one, enough people have died in this episode. I'm kind of over it. I'm just a bit... I don't care. Yeah. Just get on with it. And number two... I kind of can't take the whole thing seriously where all I can stare at is in these scenes is the massive and massively bad CGI fans going around and she just died in front of a green screen. Um, and number three, I, I wasn't as invested in her character as you were for whatever reason, I'm not sure why. Maybe you have an affinity for trees. Um, I'm not that fun of a tree. I normally pee on them. Um, not normally. I don't. Whenever I see a tree, I'm not like, "Oh, need the toilet." It'll be really hard walking through a forest. Um, <laughs> well, if I could just interrupt your your ramblings and come back with you with my response, I think you've overestimated my affection of, of Jabe somewhat. I, I, I do. I do care when she dies, but I think when you compare it to, say, later deaths like the, the wonderful Harriet Jones, or um, even in the next episode, yeah, or Gwen in the Unquiet Dead, I, I care a lot more. And even even with Raffalo, I when you remember when you rewatch it and you know that that person dies, there's a sort of feeling of dread, and you're like, oh, oh dear, whoops. Whereas I don't really feel that with Jabe. I think it's because I think I care because her burning is quite it's not horrific but it's it's out there for Doctor Who you know it's quite bold to burn a tree burn woman. To death. It's yeah, quite um, bold to burn a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really like her character before oh. her death. <laughs> I, I think that I, I almost feel like I should care about her death because I feel I should like her because she's an ally of the Doctor. But at the same time, I feel she's randomly flirtatious. It's because of the... It was a massive, like, player move of the Doctor to go, here, some breath from my lungs. And then she goes, oh... Doctor, breath from your lungs. How romantic. Well, I suppose he did instigate it. But I just feel it's misplaced. I don't, for only the second episode um, with this doctor, I don't want to see some random character, some random tree flirting with them. I want to see him and the companion establishing If I see uh, another tree flirting with the doctor in their second episode, <laughs> I'm going to flip out. 
<laughs> exactly. I just so I don't really and I don't really know why she's so in, invested in him. She latches onto him too quickly. She's scanning him. Bit creepy, you know. And I think we're also forgetting the fact that she is also another one of those zillionaires, I think they are referred to as. So I think her death I care about because you don't even see much of it. But, you know, you see the flames, and so it's a sacrifice for the greater good. So I yeah. care in that sense, but I don't care because I really like the character. Can I quickly just say something about yeah. Jabe, which I have realised? The Doctor is talking about where she gets her money from. This is a reason not to like Jabe. And he says, you own loads of forests. And something about land being money. So, number one, are the trees in this forest alive? And is she some sort of slave trader and or is she just enslaving the the like like embryos of her of not embryos like the the step before her evolution and just selling them like a commodity and is that why she's rich whoa you've just blown my mind there she's that, that would be trader. a very big reason to not like jade let's burn uh-uh. her to death Exactly. Well, it's been done for us. There we go. In in five billion, five hundred billion years. That's true. We do have to wait a little bit. But since we've talked a lot in depth about Jabe, shall we move on to um, discussing the characters in this episode? And before yeah. we run out of things to say yeah. about them. <laughs> yeah. So, first character is the character called. His name is as follows: two words. Doctor no, don't do it. Don't do it. Too late. Too late. Um, <laughs> I'll, that was a proper sigh of um, disgust. So, Doctor Who in this episode, I think we've talked about this a lot already. Is he's strong because he's sad all the time? Um, but I don't enjoy his interactions. I do enjoy his interactions with Jabe at the start where he's looking through his pockets and he can't figure out i do quite like him entering the place and he just swaggers in and he's like oh i'm supposed to be here and then meets jabe and he's good just going along with the act and he's like oh here's air from my lungs it's a good bit and we've talked about him killing cassandra a a plus stuff apart from that i don't have much more to say about him because i think overall it is a solid episode for him as a character it is i i i i like the moments where we see, you know, the deeper side of him and his his pain related to the time war, uh, and I also like it when he's uh, you know the complete opposite of that. He's quite bouncy, embracing the environment, and and just bopping to a bit of tainted love, taking the mick out of their gifts. Stewart um, down straight away and saying, "Oh, hang hang on, we are meant to be here. Rose is my plus one," and and it's like that where he's quite jovial as well so i like those two elements but where i don't like him is his sort of reluctance to understand or really interact with rose he he i think you you want him to care a bit more about her at least i do and and the fact that they spend so little time together in this episode and then when she's the one in danger he's like oh well, it would be you yes that's <laughs> funny but, but she's dying. at the same time, yeah, he is very unsympathetic and he doesn't seem to understand why she's so alarmed by, you know, 
this new world that her, she's she's suddenly been introduced to and he also is very reluctant to, to answer any of her questions if you look at it from a practical you know the the pragmatic view is that he's just it's like someone inviting someone um to, to center parks and then and then the person not really yeah, liking it is, no parks. sorry can i just stop you right there Andrew? it is exactly the same <laughs> is someone inviting someone to centre parks. I think we've really drilled down to the point. I feel like for oh, if the Pope's son is listening, obviously he's international and he doesn't know what centre parks is. Centre parks is a holiday um, destination for mostly families with um, where you can book outdoor adventure activities. Um, just to delve a little more into centre parks, let me some Google some um, facts about it. <laughs> please you don't need to also but, center no, parks if you want to sponsor us we won't stop you yeah we, we'd be open to that we can link but, every episode to center parks just like we just did it's that easy no but, but please let me finish um, so it, it's like someone inviting someone out somewhere then that person not liking it and also realizing that you don't really know the person that you've gone with and you're quite disorientated and you miss your mum and you want to call her and stuff and you don't really know why you've been invited to see your planet burn and die and it's all a bit sinister at center parks <laughs> okay forget center parks please um but he is he is so unreasonable he you know he yeah okay i get it's very little care or she's the guest and he doesn't really make any you know sort of exception to that in, in trying to make her you know enjoy the experience more whereas when i think of say the beast below um okay maybe that's a bad example because matt smith shouts at amy quite a lot towards the end and he's like oh you're going home and so and, and since we've spoken about it a bit i feel like this is quite simple what do you think of rose in this episode you pretty much said it already yeah i feel like we've touched on this she's not the best and obviously it's not all these problems aren't any of the actors or actresses fault so i don't want to bag billy pipe here because she's doing what she did with what she was given but not good okay just i didn't i didn't like it that's enough said and anything any questions no i think i understand your point there i i would actually argue that i prefer rose in this episode maybe to the doctor oh um, i i just like the doctor's sadness in this episode because it's so sweet but the entire time the rose is like ah, what's going on ah, ah, just like to point out trampoline. at this moment that Dean is saying the rose is a joke, not because he's completely um, idiotic. Um, but I also, I also just, I think that I feel I can sympathise with Rose more. Um, but I just, I think that Rose's feelings are completely understandable um, and very human. And so I, I like her in this episode. But I, I would agree with you that because she doesn't embrace the world around her. It's not the strong, fiery, uh, very humorous character that we eventually know and love. So she's not quite there yet, but I do like her in this episode. Okay, next character, Cassandra. Fine, mm. no thoughts. 
she she she's grating but she's supposed to be grating she's supposed to get on your nerves and annoy you but she still annoys me a little too much if that makes any sense oh, um it does I, I just i'm just surprised no she's annoying but she's supposed to be annoying because i'm not gonna say that as a complaint do you know what i mean i won't complain about kind it of kind of funny because i watch a lot of the episode i'm like shut up cassandra i hope you explode it just do you shout that at your television yeah um every episode of doctor who i'm shouting that i prefer her in new earth a lot more oh 100 in this episode she's just nothing there's not a lot to it and i think that's why i don't have a lot to say yeah just just to pick up on what you've just said i, I think that as a character she she's quite funny i think she's much funnier in new earth and that might be partly because we get to see david tennant and billy piper's interpretations of that character so you, you need the foundation built in this episode to appreciate the, the comedy in new earth perhaps and as a supporting character she's fine but as a villain she's very thin and i'm not just yeah. talking skin thin just oh. her her her, her, her motives her her entire plan she's not threatening in any way um and i think that is a reason why this episode in in my mind doesn't rate very highly um because it doesn't really feel like there's ever a big threat and as we've already talked about even when there is a threat i don't really care about the uh, consequences because i'm not that invested in the characters who are affected what do you think about the face of Bo? Um, nothing nothing i've yeah i'm gonna answer your questions i've got nothing to say I mean, we've already talked about Jay, but I've got nothing to say about any other character that we've got here. Have you got anything to say? Or well, I, I just yeah. kind of summarised with that any other character, we've already spoken about Jay, but any other character is sort of just... Dumb. Consequential. They're, they're yeah. rather irrelevant. Even the face of Bo, who later becomes, you know, some big plot device and a, and a major character in some, you know, in a bizarre way. Not much to say. Yeah. So on that note, shall we go on to the most pretentious section of the podcast? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like we still we need a jingle for this bit. It feels unfulfilled, but alas, I will sing one. A three, a two. Oh no, I'm not gonna do that. This is the section of the podcast where famous screenwriter Andrea world-renowned look her up that, that is probably not true i've written like script one script of a fun. movie that you've seen no yeah it was please. for avengers endgame no no um, that was not me. <laughs> um where she tells us how she what she doesn't like about this episode but she can't be bothered to tell us how to fix it that is a summary except for everything you said was incorrect uh, I did not write Avengers Endgame, unfortunately. I don't feel like you need to clarify that. Nobody <laughs> believed me. If I was, I wouldn't be sat in my bedroom um, over Zoom doing a podcast about Doctor Who. Anyway, so, improvements. Get rid of the little blue people. They yes. are my least favourite thing blue in this episode. They ruin it. But when when um, the steward dies and they're crowded yeah, around the door, the door, Jake is oh. hugging them. I'm like, are they children? Are they just really small? What is their purpose? Do we even I do imagine, I do imagine the Oompa Loompa's reaction to if, um, if Willy Wonka had burned to death. What would it be? Who knows? Yeah, but I just, nah. Okay, I do not like them. 
my least favourite characters, and they're not even relevant. They could easily go and wouldn't notice, except I'd go, oh, this is better. Oh, something feels different. Yeah. So, <laughs> at one point, there's a gravity pocket shake, yeah. and the whole platform is meant to, you know, that's a shake. And the Doctor's like, oh, that's not meant to happen. And it's a big deal in the episode. But this shake is the most minor, understated little earthquake that there could possibly be. Why couldn't, if they're spending so much money on the SFX for this episode, why couldn't they make it more exaggerated? Why couldn't I mean, they I don't think it cost much over? money. I think you could have just grabbed the cameraman and just shook him a bit. I actually looked down right before it and looked up and I was like, well, nothing happened. What are you guys talking about? My other point is kind of related to that. I, I, you know, in this day and age, 15 years on from this episode's release, I would modernise the SFX. I think they're quite dated. I know they would have probably been quite, um, Im- you know, impressive in 2005, but they haven't aged well. And I think that is a recurring issue with Series 1. I think you can overlook it and, you know, just this use your imagination. This episode is especially bad, but, though. Yeah, because they use so much. I think the less they use in an episode, the less dated it looks. And you don't get any impression of the Doctor and Rose in this episode being a team. And I think it's a bit late for uh, for episode three for them to become a team. And even then, I think there's quite a lot of friction. Obviously, we'll get onto that next week. So I feel like it takes us a long time for them to be close. And in a way, it doesn't matter as much because she stays for a second series. But if she was just here for one series, you know, it'd almost be like... Rose, nobody would care about Rose if she was here for one season. Bold comment, but yeah. Comment to us what you think about this stuff. Yeah, we want to hear your yeah, thoughts. Email us at chattywattypod at gmail.com. Or just follow us on Instagram because like, emails getting blocked up is a bit annoying. But um, no, email us, please. <laughs> we want to hear your thoughts. We're getting um, so many emails on that email address, even though yeah, we haven't released an many. episode yet. I can't keep up. I think this will sound demonic, and I've already said that I feel like it's done quite oh, well. No. But I feel like Jay's death, we need to see more of it. You literally see, like, her hands go on fire, and then the doctor looked back at her all upset. <laughs> all but upset? What's he upset about? Only her hands are on fire. It's almost like the, the director forgets about her. And I know that maybe it's because we don't want to see a burnt tree dead. Um, you know, because children are watching or whatever rubbish. You're right, it does sound a little demonic. I'd also say that this episode needs a faster pace overall. I've talked yeah, about nothing, its sort of lack of direction. But there are too many scenes of just talking with no real, you know, um, aim. They'll They're talk and it wouldn't really be going anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Rose, it had a lot of talking, but it, you know, it contrasted with also great running scenes and things and an invasion of the Auton. So it balanced, whereas in this one, it feels too weighted on the slow uh, conversation based side. I also think that Cassandra's um, robot spiders could be more alarming. I know that Cassandra isn't really meant to be seen as a massive threat because, you know, by New Earth, she's just a point of comedy, really. But I feel like they're too cute, almost. And maybe that's part of the point that you're meant to underestimate them, they're meant to go unnoticed, but it doesn't add anything to the level of threat. 
So it almost makes you wonder why they're there, because surely there could be some other way of doing what Cassandra's doing without using cute robots. I'd also say less Star Wars vibes, please. It's not Star Wars, it's Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> get rid of the mocks of Balhoon. Yeah, just get rid of the additional aliens that are unnecessary. If they're, you know, if it's so expensive, in a way, maybe you should just have a few, like the richest of the richest, and get to know them better. Yeah. I, I just, it, it feels very detached. You feel detached. What does a day in the life of the mocks of Balhoon look like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what does he do? And what is the bad wolf scenario? Like, I want to know more. Um, and I'd say that the steward, or the administrator, as you call him, he, when he dies, it takes him a long time when the sun shield goes down to react. Yeah. Uh, he's just He just screams for a bit. He doesn't try to run to the door or anything. He's resigned to his fate. That That's it. Oh, I'm going to be incinerated. Oh, isn't that rubbish? And he just screams. And it's very... There's no impact there. Um, and I'd also say, as, as I, I've already said, there's too much flirtation. Um, I feel Oxford Balhoun's acting isn't fantastic. I just don't like his voice. I don't really like the Mox Balhoun. Just get rid of the Mox Balhoun. And then Kins is like grieving over him when he's turned to dust by, by the sun. And I'm like, did you know him? What are the Munchkins? Are they related because they're blue? I just don't know. Um, That's so racist of you. I'm sorry. Well, there are so many blue people, though. There's no green people on, on yeah, in this episode. This like political people. correctness gone mad. They're putting no, blue people like, in the episode just the same for the species? point of putting blue people in the episode. Right. Um, but I also feel that the Doctor isn't exactly in a hurry when he's trying to go through the blades. I know it's quite a difficult situation, but he knows that Jabe's going to burn, but he takes his time, doesn't he? That could be sped up a little. I mean, although that would literally like half the length of the only bit of action we get in this episode. Um, and then I would finally say that the, the, the meme, as I will call them, I think they could have had the potential to be quite scary. I think their, their cloaked, mysterious appearance is actually quite effective. Uh, and I feel like they could have been used better. Except. Character. Yeah. Fix it. So those are my improvements, or rather me highlighting any flaws and just ranting generally um, without any offers of solutions. Shall we go on? Let's go. Okay, very simple rating system. I'm going to explain this extremely quickly because I can't be bothered to do it properly we rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 13 1 being the worst and 13 being the best because there are 13 doctors but this is no way implying that William Hartnell is the worst doctor and Jodie Whittaker is the best doctor or vice versa it's just an arbitrary thing that we have come up with also there's one decimal place you can give us an answer and that's 8.5 aka the war doctor mark apart from that they all have to be whole answers okay so I've gone in a different approach of rating this episode this week um, I know you like to deduct points for things you don't like. Um, I have added points for things I like. So I started... Is that easier right. for you? Okay, number one, I like the music. Number two, I like the scene at the end where the Doctor's like, oh, they're dead. Number three, I like Cassandra's death. Number four, I like the um, bloody... Um, uh, Jabe's design. I forgot Jabe's name. I keep saying the word bloody today. I don't know what's going on. 
Number five, I like the plumber scene. So I'm giving it a score of five out of 13. What about you, Andrea? Well, I have gone in the opposite direction and deducted points. So I have deducted points for the thin storyline, story. the outdated effects, outdated the effects. poor villain, poor the villain. lack of Doctor and Rose interaction, the blue munchkins, um, the, the, the Star Wars vibes, and the slow pace. And that gives me six out of 13. Oh, so pretty close still. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So next week, we're going to be talking about The Unquiet Dead. Um, an episode with Charles Dickens in and Charles Dickens in and the most interesting alien name ever. But if you want to find out what that alien name is, you have to listen to us next Monday. There's no other possible way of finding out. Yes. And if you'd like to hear more of us rambling, please do um, listen in next week and also follow us on Instagram at, at chatty ratty pod and on there. There's also the link to our email. And as always, we're on um, anchor FM at uh, Wibbly Wobbly Chatty Watty. So please do um, carry on supporting us because as our one or two only listeners, your support is vital. Um, <laughs> otherwise, this is an exercise of futility, as Dean so um, eloquently put it earlier. So thank you again for listening, if you have indeed got to the end of this, and we shall see you next week. Bye.